Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. They never will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Hi everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network MJ, a memory of my sister And this is going to be so cool We're going to talk about something that's going to make everybody nervous and scared But so what? the dark side of a character, and the dark side of a plot. And who better to do this than people that know it better than I do? Alan Jacobson, Tim Ahrens, Dick Belsky, I'm not sure, and Lee Matthew Goldberg. And I think Dick just popped in, or somebody just popped in, I think. Hi, uh, Dick, is that you? Hi, is that what I'm I'm calling in from the noisy streets of New York City, so hope you can hear me. That's okay, because we've got leaf blowing outside my apartment, so don't even worry about it. It's going to be nice and noisy. So, anybody that wants to answer the first question, what can I say? Characters, you know, like um, Alan, you have Karen Vale. She can get nasty and dark, which is really good, which makes me happy. And Jimmy, your characters are dark. And, of course, Claire Carlson, don't mess with this girl. And Lee Matthew Goldberg, you don't want to mess with any of his characters either, especially in Orange City. Oh, my God. So how do you write the dark side of a character versus the good side? Because I like the evil. It's so much nicer. Well, so whoever wants to start, I don't I, care. This is Alan, uh, Alan Jacobson. So, you know, I think every person has a dark side. Uh, we yeah. try to keep it in check. I mean, that's human nature. Uh some of us are better at doing it than others, and sometimes it comes out. You know, you you are pushed, whether it be stress, deadlines, uh, mm. intimidation. Uh, you know, it, there there are a number of things that could make it emerge from from us. We usually uh, cap it at you know perhaps uh, a little bit of a tirade or one sentence that said. But sometimes, you know, well, our job as writers is to envision what happens if it pushes somebody over that line a little bit. And we saw that happen to Karen Vale in Velocity when there's something mm. very, very big at stake. And she, uh, you know, kind of like the, the holds are lifted and she is determined to save this person at all costs. And and we see a side of her that we've never seen. So, how do you write that? Well, you have to put yourself. You have to find the dark side of yourself and yourself into that character and uh, and and situation and let it let it uh, emerge. Yeah, I I this was Tim Harris, by the way. I wrote Dark Creatures, a simple game. Um, Doug actually came about in a couple of different ways. I, I actually heard a quote once. I can't tell you exactly where I heard it from, but I've always remembered it. <laughs> and it goes like this. It goes, um, someone who does evil is not necessarily evil. 
It's the people who love to do evil who are actually evil. So when I so when I create a dark character, I tend to put that little aspect in their in their psyche. Mm. That's the point that they really enjoy doing the evil, whatever happens to be that the type of evil they're they're doing. They really enjoy doing that. It gives them a thrill. It's a, it's what they live for. Mm. I like that kind of person. Actually. So uh, this is uh, Dick, Dick here. Um, yeah, I just want to jump on what uh, what what folks said. Uh, you know, when Alan said, you know, we all have some dark in me. You know, my question was, you know, wh- mm. how do we find dark? I mean, you know, there's dark like somebody has a, you know, has a problem. They they drink or they cheat on their wives or whatever. And then there's people who you know kill people and do horrible things. So there's there's mm. very variations of what you do in dark. And I I know in my book, the Kirk Carlson book. Uh, you know, Claire, Claire has a dark side like we all do, but it's kind of like what Alice said. It's kind of, it could be kind of, you know, it's it's mm. not terrible, basically. It's, it's positive. But my villains, you know, uh, vary. And, you know, like in my current book and in some of my books, the villain is somebody that's put in a set of circumstances that causes them to do uh, terrible things. And they may or may not be evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other books I've done, like, like a serial, like I did uh, The Last Scoop. My last Claire book was about a serial killer, and it was sort of based like on a Sam kind of thing, where there's no motive for the murders except, you know, the enjoyment of killing. I mean, there's no money, there's no sex, there's nothing. It's just basically uh, evil for the sake of evil. evil. So, yeah, there's just many, many uh, degrees of uh, in, in our characters. That is interesting. So I don't know who just called in on the bottom. That's I know Lance. that this Lance. Oh, hi. I didn't know. Oh, hey, how you you're here. I didn't know. You were Thanks here. for having me. I wasn't sure if you knew it was me, but it's me. I don't even know who I am anymore. Now, take your main character, and how do you create a past that readers would not expect or want to expect, and why would that character not want anybody to know? It doesn't have to be the good person. It could be the bad. How do you create that path for that character? Because that's hard to do. Well, I never really had a problem creating necessarily creating a character. It's it's actually a, a concept of a personality or or a, a kind of like a sliver of your own psyche. So it just depends on what you 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 want to still sew into the mix. Um, I tend to like to uh, knit all of my stuff together very slowly. So. Um, it depends on, you know, for instance, all the characters and dark creatures, or at least almost all of them, are actually anti-heroes. So none of them are really good guys, except for maybe one, who's kind of pulled into this whole situation um, un- unbeknownst to himself. Um, so uh, yeah, most of the most of the stuff is is just people doing what they would do normally, except that the result of what they're doing is actually doing good, even though they don't see it as as that. Mm. And if, you know, if it's your main character, I was going to say, just, you know, what you were saying, if it's your main character, you know, you kind of got to stay in your, your guidelines of what your character could or wouldn't do. Mm. You know, like my character, you know, she's a journalist with integrity, so she might not do a lot of bad things, but she would break the law to get the story. She would break into somebody. She would steal something. Uh, you know, and every character is different. So I think, you know, the important thing is you don't want to be reading a character and have an idea who that person is and then have them do something so, you know, out of the box that it just stops you. You're like, well, wait a minute, I know this person. They wouldn't They wouldn't do that. And I think every great character, you know, from Jack Reacher, who does all these incredible violent things, there, there's always mm. a pattern that I think the author needs to be aware of 
um, when he's writing. At least I try to. Yeah, uh, this is Alan Jacobson. I agree completely. It, it, it has to be consistent. Whatever action or past that you create has to be consistent with that character and how he or she acts in in the present time. I mean, it should be a reflection. They're... they're decision-making process, the uh, steps that they'll take, the lines that they mm-hmm. won't cross or the lines that they do cross have to be consistent with where they came from as an individual. So if you've got uh, a character like my FBI profiler, Karen Vale, you know, she, we see in Spectrum, which was almost kind of like a prequel, uh, because we go back to her first day on the job as an mm-hmm. NYPD uh, beat cop, and we see where she comes from, uh, and and what shaped her as as a police officer, and then as an FBI agent, and then as a profiler. So that past gets uh, unpeeled like an onion, and then we, we see some of uh, we we revisit some of the incidents, some of the cases that she had along the way that were books in the series, and we can. See put it all together and we start to see, okay, well that makes sense. Now we know why she did X. Now we understand why she reacts the way she does and so on and so forth. And it's no different for a, a villain that, that I create because you know the villain has to have an interesting backstory as well that explains why he or she is you know doing evil. Yeah, jumping on what Alan said, this is, this is Lee, um, I think my most evil character was probably a mentor who was purely just a killer. Um, but in doing that, I had to find some type of humanity in, in basically in his backstory. He doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. He thinks mm-hmm. everything, you know, almost like a Dexter, mm-hmm. like everything he's doing is for a better cause. Um, so in his mind, he's good, and I think that was important too because he doesn't see himself as evil. Um, and in that way, you can kind of connect with him at some point, even when he's sort of doing bad things. Um, so I think it's really important to, like, even if all the backstory doesn't wind up in the book, for the author himself or herself to know exactly who this person is, where they came from, and all the, mm. you know, horrible steps that led them up to be a horrible person, basically. That's you know, that's one, that's of the, one of the most challenging things, I think, Fran, uh, of listening uh-huh. to all but if a writer can create a character who's basically evil, but at the same time mm-hmm. make that person likable to the audience, uh, and mm-hmm. I've never really created that kind of character, but I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking like right now, TV shows a lot, I'm thinking of Ozark, uh, you know, the guy wanted to binge watching during the lockdown, and leading the early for the last season, and, uh, you know, these are evil people who do bad things, but you're like, you know, you're rooting for him, you know, you like his character, even though, you know, he's money-hungry and doing all these things. Um, and the other classic example is The Sopranos. I mean, we love Tony Soprano. He's a horrible person, but we love him. He's adorable and all that stuff. And that's just, that's like David Chase. That's great writing. And uh, I think he could pull that off. And the book I always uh, I always mention in this, in this category uh, and I thought it was you know, a different piece of it, but I thought it was a great, great book. And one of the most talked about books of recent years was uh, Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. And, you know, that, again, that's a book in which there is not one bad character in the book. You know, they're all, they're all bad on some level. Uh, 
but you know you wind up turning the pages and and you care about them. Yeah, talking about that, um, about character creation, another great example is if you go back to the old Rod Serling Twilight Zone episodes. Mm. Rod Serling, Rod Serling could write a character like nobody. Um, he could he could take a, somebody and turn him into a villain, and then turn him into a hero, and then turn him back into a villain. <laughs> um, it, it was it's it's just masterful to to to, to see that kind of work in action. Yeah. My husband you loves know, to watch the world, I... watch, loves, loves Dexter. That scares me. Uh, he's really evil, <laughs> and and he has no no remorse. But you know, sometimes I, somebody once said to me, you know, when you're really nice, except when your dark side comes out, don't mess with her. And you know, you don't even see it in yourself sometimes. So what leads someone to a dark side? Does it mirror your char- character? What what would mirror take a good character, somebody that's kind and wonderful, and decide it's no fun being good anymore? I want to be evil. And does the, does your character that's evil ever fear that they're going to fail? Because that wouldn't be any funny. I don't know what? that it has to do okay. with good or evil. Without darkness, there can't be light. Darkness, yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone yeah. has the good and the bad, and, you know, it's the circumstances that throw people into it. You know, the you talked about predictable character paths and, and predictable actions by folks. You know, I really, I set out to write the Blue Mystery series with Johnny Pill, starting out with Hunting of Men, mm-hmm. but I was not going to write a traditional um, law enforcement-based novel. I wanted to write about real cops and what they're like, and I tell people, if you want to read about the alcoholic uh, homicide detective who has seven ex-wives, hates everybody, and does illegal searches in every chapter, go read somebody else's book. So I have a, a real um, challenge to stay away from the stereotypes and the hackneys that we read all the time in these stories and uh it's more fun quite frankly and it's less predictable so you don't have the oh yeah it's going to be a bad cop at the end or yeah they're probably going to kick this door in or they're going to take out their lock picks you know i went to the police academy nobody issued me a set of lock picks so <laughs> it's a real um real tough uh challenge sometimes but you know it's just like life you know, I, I was just reading something the other day that you're not the same person you were a year ago. So stop mm-hmm. looking at where you are now and saying mm-hmm. it's some unpredictable reality. You had the same thought a year ago on the same date. People change, and their circumstances drive them to do things they may not have ever expected. And you can call that evil, or you could call that survival. You can yeah, also you know, like there's, there's, there's oh, cases, I was just say, there's cases like, um, you know, like your family is murdered. By, by somebody, the mob, or something, uh, that could turn you into a killer because there's a reason for it. There's a motive. I don't know if that makes you evil or not. Uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of great detective stories. I mean, Lawrence Block has done it. I think Michael Common may have even done it, where you uh, you can't catch the killer, but you know he's guilty, and so you 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 set up after you set him up somehow and get him into a situation where he pays the price even though it's it's wrong. Um, but these are all but these are all from motivations and I don't know that it makes I, I think the acts are evil, but I don't know that it makes the person evil. Well that all depends on the psychological makeup of the situation too. Mm. Um, you gotta look at the character first of all and understand whether he actually has a conscience. If he has a conscience then what he's doing might be considered um, evil um, in in one way, shape, or form. If, like in my character Doug, for instance, he really doesn't have any kind of conscience. He um, he's, mm. he's really a sociopath turning t- turning into a psychopath. Um, he's looking at the world as if everyone's against him. Everything he does wrong is not his fault. It's their fault for making him do this. <laughs> 
Well, it's like a kid in school that said he made me do it, and they didn't really make him do it. Well, so I, I it's know, also it's a, friend, scary. a friend of mine. A friend of mine had a shirt that uh, he gave to a friend of ours that uh, said, I'm, yes, I'm in my own little world, but it's okay because everyone knows me there. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it, that's the way a lot of people uh-huh. walk around. And then when you create a character that has their own world, their own worldview, whether they're rose-colored glasses or not that they're looking through, some event occurs, and that's life. Uh, you know, and I'll give you a real-life example. Um, I have a very good friend. Um, about Labor Day of last year, he was out running. He's a law enforcement officer. He's a captain with the uh, game warden. He was out running, exercising, looking forward to a night alone with his family, and a person who was out on bail for DUI, who was DUI again, killed him in a car wreck. Oh, God. And the trajectory of hundreds of lives that that changed is the stuff that people Mm – want to want to learn about they want to wallow around about wallow Mm -hmm. around in and even if it thank god it didn't happen to me they get challenged by god how would somebody Mm -hmm. how would somebody handle that the 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 spouse or the mom who sees the car drive up with the marine detachment knowing that she's getting word that their loved one has passed in battle we all see those iconic visions, and we part of us says, you know, there but for the grace of God go I, but part of us is like, how would I react? And then when they identify with a character, how would that character react to that adversity? Mm. And then you also have to look at the situation. Oh, wait, you also have to look at the situation. I'm sorry. You also have to look at the situation of survival. In uh, in a lot of cases, an evil character can be created very easily because they're doing the things they're doing in order to survive, in order to survive Mm. their situation. Um, It's a situation they've been put in, um, like, for instance, if someone who is completely innocent is thrown into Riker's prison, um, they may also become evil and or do do evil acts in order to survive. They, um, They transform themselves. Do they I just feel that they justify their books. actions? That I, I have every right to be like that because somebody did something to me. I would do this with revenge on the world, and I justify what I say, and they have no remorse whatsoever? Well, but the other well, thing is, you know, the, if you look at these books, the ones that have been written, the ones that the movies that we see where a person is thrown into mm-hmm. horrible circumstances and they do things outside of their their comfort zone – the, sometimes the movies end, but as writers, we get to take it to the next step because mm-hmm. you sit and say, well, what now? You know, you've, you've stepped outside of who you are. You've stepped outside of all your belief systems, and you've done something you never thought mm-hmm. you would do. How do you go back? Can you go back? Or are you yeah. going to be a different person for the rest of your life? That's, that's really fascinating uh, information and, and the stuff that, you know, great stories are made of. Again, I just wanted to uh, say, t- just take it in a slightly different direction than what we're talking about, and that is um, the issue of women who have been wrong. Now, I recently, mm-hmm. I mean, recently in the last few weeks, I've read two new books, by, uh, both of them by women writers who are friends of mine. Uh, I don't know if anybody else has seen them or heard of them, Julia Dahl and Alice and Galen. Uh, one mm-hmm. is called The Missing Hours, and the other is called The Collective. Um, they've both gotten a lot of acclaim. Uh, and they're both they're, they're completely different books. But they're both about the same premise. And the premise is uh, that a 
woman has been wronged by a man, raped, you know, and lots of other stuff by a man, and justice was not done, and this person got away with it. And it's about mm-hmm. what the women are willing to do to get justice and to get revenge. And it's, you know, I know it sounds simple, but it, it, in, in both books it gets very complex, and you, you do get to that point of, like, how far should I go, what should I do, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and... and Getting back to the point that we just said, is this going to make me an evil, an evil person in the same way that the evil person that I'm trying to uh, to uh, to reach is? So um, I, I just think that that angle, written by two women writers, is uh, is another take on uh, on the darkness in all of us when something happens that changes our lives. Yeah, and I know. point. I, rep- I represented uh, over 130 officers who've been involved in officer-involved shootings. So my novel, Hijacking mm-hmm. Justice, which is actually now out as a serial novel um, and available free at LanceLaRussoBooks.com, I was a challenge. I always wanted to write a serial novel, but that book starts out with a homicide detective who's involved in a controversial shooting, um, mm-hmm. and he's arrested for three counts of murder. And it was great fodder in my head uh, because I've represented so many officers who have been in that situation, and I'm representing several now who are being unjustifiably prosecuted um, for a lawful use of force. But it, it basically stirs up, as you said, the, you know, the woman wrong, the, the criminal justice system not doing what it's supposed to do. Um, it's, it's a little bit of our fears. But it's also, um, it makes us reexamine what we believe is appropriate, what we believe is right, and what we believe is true. I agree. It's, a, it's, it's, it's really, really cool to see, to take a character all the way up to the edge like that and then see if you can bring them back logically. See if they can, mm. you can pull them back into society logically. Because in some cases, they'll just fall off. And in other cases, they'll claw, them, they'll claw their way back. It's really cool to do that. Jim would create a character that's really good in hiding in, in hiding in plain sight, but nobody really knows that that person is evil, and is going to get even yeah. with anybody that he decides to. And do you ever bring the bad person back? Because that must be fun too. Yeah, Doug is is definitely like hiding in plain sight. He's my psychopathic killer in the in my book. Um, he doesn't look like he's a psychopathic killer. He's he's um, a dumpy looking individual. He's an overnight a, a watchman at a mm-hmm. paper plant. He doesn't look like he affects very many people, but um, his influence is actually subtle. And uh, the things that he does inflict, uh, in, inflict all sorts of problems on other people's lives, but he doesn't look at it that way. He's, he's only satisfying his own needs and, and taking from society what they have taken from him. <laughs> I, I, th- I think you have to, Fran. You know, you have to do that. I, I think certainly in many of my books, the, the, the bad guy turns out to be somebody who's very prominent and very highly thought of. Uh, I've had you know, police officials, uh, uh, political figures who are, you know, held in high regard, all being exposed as being the killers. Because if you don't do that, you know, it, it kind of cuts down on how you can do the twist and the mystery. Because, you know, if you have an ex-con out there and he chooses out to be the killer, that's not really a surprise. So so generally, in, in my books anyway, very often the killer uh, is someone who you would never expect normally, or people would never think of that. Uh, they're very, they're very highly thought of in, in the public eye. It's also a really good way of warming readers to a character because maybe for the first two thirds of the novel they love this character, and then there's sort of the flip. Um, in my novel, The Ancestor, 
character has amnesia. He did very bad things in his past. And slowly, as his memories start to come back, sort of the evil inside of him kind of, you know, erupts. But for the first, I would say, two-thirds, three-quarters of the book, um, the readers really are falling in love with him. So the interesting thing is how much of that sticks when he starts to do the terrible things. Are they with him, or are they slowly starting to turn from him? Um, but it's a good device to kind of, um, you know, make them more of an anti-hero than just a villain. But don't you find that as a, as a writer, I find one of the most challenging things for me is uh, dropping those little bits of evil into the book. So you're playing fair with the reader. You can't have somebody be, you know, this 100% good guy, and then suddenly on the last chapter turn out to be the murderer. Right. You have to... You have to drop the clues. Yeah, you're salt and peppering it through, or it or it gives it away. And that, you know, it, when I'm writing a book, I find that uh, that one that's one of the most more challenging uh, things I, uh, I I find uh, difficult to do. Hey, how does this character manipulate oh. situations? Does this character how does he manipulate situations in his direction so that nobody really realizes? What he's doing, or he, they want him to really wants every people to realize it. How does he manipulate other people? Well, in 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 one way to do that is um, I did a lot of research when I was working on my book in tune to serial killers, and I learned a lot about Bundy, the way Ted Bundy and and a lot of those other individuals in the past were. And it's it's really um, it's really subtle. It's 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 a it's a mind screw if you want to consider it. Um, they play act themselves play acting. It's <laughs> it's really strange mm. to do that. Well, you have to make it subtle. I mean, evil is subtle. I mean, yeah. the biggest yeah. fraud artist. I mean, I'll use Bernie Madoff as an example. Um, he was subtly stealing people blind. And, you know, it's the same thing with killers. I mean, I've met sociopaths. I've, I've met people who have killed folks before and, and, and as a law enforcement officer. And typically they are not the people that you would run away from on the street. Mm. You know, and, and if you think about it in a very, in a very um, simple sense, if you're fishing and you put bait in the water that all the fish swim away from, you're going to go hungry. Yeah, and that's true. If you ever uh, see an interview with neighbors after a serial killer is caught, they always say, oh, he was so nice, he, you know, he helped guy, me with yeah. my groceries, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Yes. And that's, I have a that's theory part about of that. Their... If they ask them, they'll tell them that they had a clean garage, because I think a clean garage is a sign of a sociopathic psycho, a psycho killer. I think anybody who has a clean garage should immediately be suspect. <laughs> well, I'm good. I'm good then. <laughs> <laughs> well, then my family is totally out of that. Yeah, I think I'm, is, I think I'm cleared good. by implication. <laughs> so how do you recognize the traits of this person? Because I think everybody traits, but that's up to you to whether you think they are they bold, cautious, colorful, diligent. What? How would you describe the character traits of somebody like that? And would they drag somebody else in? In other words, there's a character in your book that's totally evil, and then this person decides to drag somebody else in, or they're going to be dead too. Um, well, well it's actually depending. On, it really depends for me, at least. It really depends on what my my evil character's main objective is. Mm-hmm. Um, if if he's centered on just his own pleasure or his own amusement, then there's a good chance he won't drag anybody else into it. He'll just torture those people he feels he wants to because mm-hmm. um, he, he feels he's better, he's smarter, he's much more cunning than anybody else on the street. Um, he's got everybody in the world fooled. There's nothing they can do. Now, if he's an egotist or a narcissist, um, then he might drag yeah. somebody else in just, 
just so he can show them how great he actually is. <laughs> well, I think that's the intellectual honesty of an author. I think you have to be intellectually honest as an author because you can mm-hmm. lead readers astray unfairly. I mean, I, there's nothing worse than going through a book and saying, well, that's just ridiculous. As, as somebody said mm-hmm. earlier, that character would never do that because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the author didn't give you enough clues. So you have to be intellectually honest enough to let the reader see that there's something amiss with this character or at least the potential for them to act as they do in the end. That is, that is scary. But yeah, what, you know, I'm reading something now, like it's called Just Like uh, the Other Girls. Do you ever write a book where the evil character is a voice that's sort of wanting that something's going to happen to the main character? And this particular book has that. This poor girl doesn't even know that somebody's going to get her. And it just says, watch where you better watch where you're going. But do you ever have like an omniscient voice or like a narrator that is not part of the character, but you don't know who it is? I tend to stay away from that that type of, of writing style, simply for me anyway. I mean, it works for other people, but for me it just brings the author too too close or too forward in the story, in which case it, it eclipses the characters for me. So I tend to try to go from the character's perspective almost 100%. Yeah, yeah that's what that's, she did, though. She, does, she has the characters in each chapter, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this person is coming out. I think I figured out who it is, though. That's beside the point. But, you know... I mean, a lot of people are writing character A is uh, this person, B is this person. That drives me crazy. Yeah, but you know what you're saying is it came out of the field. I think that sounds to me like it would be the problem. Uh, if you're going to do something like that, and yeah. you start off the book by doing it, and then you have it through the book, I mean, and, I mean, again, I've never done it, but it could work. Uh, but. Uh, one, of, one of my best things when I'm reading a book is when it changes direction in the middle. And it could be uh, a change of uh, POV. You know, I mean, you know, multiple people is great, first person is great, first person is great. But when the whole book is one way, and it's sadly, you know, on page 200, somebody else starts talking. Uh, it, it jolts me out of the book, and I, I'm, I'm taken out of the, you know, the, the world I'm in, and I'm, I'm aware of, like, oh, this is this is an author writing this, and uh, uh, someone just said yeah, that. It's, I don't think it's great to have the author's voice there. You want the character's voice. Yeah, I mean, there are rules to writing a novel. Uh, the first rule is there are no rules. But, you know, that said, you know, there are conventions of good writing, and one of them is, yeah, you want to state up front uh, and, and not actually state, but you're showing mm-hmm. the multiple points of view that you're going to use you try to do that as early as possible so the reader understands who the point of view characters are and then you can utilize them as you want but you know you don't want to bring in a new point of view character if you can help it uh far into the novel particularly at the end i mean my god that's that's really yeah. being disingenuous uh and mm. not playing fairly but uh yeah you want to you want to establish your point of view characters and uh and and it should be clear who that character is, maybe not identity-wise, but, oh, okay, this is the killer. Oh, okay, this well, is the... You know, I, I mean, what you said about there's no rules, uh, you know, as you were saying that, it suddenly struck me, and I haven't read this book years and years, and probably none of us have, that the, the classic case of not playing fair with the reader, and it was under criticism at the time, was uh, well, Roger Ackroyd by Agatha Christie in 1926 or something like that, where he did the book, 
she suddenly just pops out that the narrator is killer, you know. And it, it's it, it's like incredible, and it's like a legendary book, but um, it's kind of it's it, it's the exception to the rule. She's not really quite fair, in but it works. Well, Arthur, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle did a lot of that in some cases, too, in his Sherlock Holmes novels um, that uh, he switched or, or jumped personalities here or there in some of his short stories. And he did a great job on that. Um, with a novel, on the other hand, it gets really more, really more difficult to do that. I mean, with a short story, it might work out really well. Um, but with a, with a novel, I still think that you should probably try to stay with your principal characters. And if there is an outside voice, you need to introduce that outside voice immediately and then, then they just don't tell the readers who they exactly who they are speaking in the shadows if they're watching the whole situation. Well, what, about the first what about the prologue or the first chapter that you automatically the prologue and the killer's telling you what's gonna happen and the person dies. That works out really well, especially if you're doing first person work. I mean if you're doing yeah. third person work it gets harder, yeah. but first person work it would work really well for. Those are those are, I've read too many of those too. Money too many of those. <laughs> so, would, would your bad character or ever show be so self-control and try not to do something wrong, but they just can't help it? I mean, I just can't help. I'm going to strangle that person because they're getting on my nerve. Whatever the reason is, and they just they, they they're going through a situation and they show, try to show self-control, and all of a sudden, it just comes apart. Yeah, I mean, Fran, as you know. One of the series that I write is the Karen Vale series, and that mm-hmm. doesn't always deal with a serial killer, but you know it it uh, it often does. And exactly, I mean, a serial killer they have to keep themselves under control, but there are times when they need to kill, and that need mm-hmm. can uh, override their their control mechanism. And if that happens, then, number one, they, they have to make sure afterwards that they're able to cover their tracks, or sometimes they don't, and that's how they get caught. They make a mistake. Usually that will happen early on because once they perfect their their occupation, uh, and that being murder, um, they they make fewer mistakes. And that, and that is, you know, in general because... Later on, they can begin to devolve, and, and then they start to think that they're infallible, and they, nobody's going to catch them, and then they can start to make mistakes again, and ultimately that does lead to, or can lead to Um So, yes, absolutely. That's, it. That's interesting. So um, I like the word you just used. Oh, sorry, me, friend. Pardon me just a moment. But I love, love the okay. word you just used, devolved. They use that yeah. for Bundy and quite a few of the other serial killers I researched for Doug, is that um, at the height of their killing sprees, yeah, they were intelligent and they, they were practiced and they had their systems down. But the longer that their psychosis went, the more devolved their personality became and the more mistakes they made. That was a great analogy. Yep. Well, I watch those, actually. The killers and the serial killer programs, they're interesting. They're really good to learn how to write, as a matter of fact. Kids, I, I hate to see if any kids watched it. And they learned to write. Um, so which of the traits below, which did you think would describe your character the most as a dark side of the plot? And some of these characters, these dark siders, are abused or bullied as a kid. So would, would their childhood come into play, causing them to feel like, you know, I couldn't take action when I was younger, but now I'm going to get everybody now. 
Oh, you know, I mean, absolutely. that's just so easy, and it's overdone, though. I mean, uh, you know, it's kind yeah, of no, become the point. And, well, and I'll tell you, it's not only become overdone, it's kind of become to the point where when I read that, I'm like, really? That's the best you can come up with? And in and, and reality, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who had great upbringings, and they're horrible people. Oh, and they're yeah. criminals. Yeah. And they take advantage of people, and they prey on people. And, you know, when when you can examine that, I think that's the fear. I mean, if you want to tug on people's fear strings... That's what they're afraid of. That's why Bundy was so scary, not the fact that he killed all those people. The reason Bundy was so scary is he blended into society, looked like a normal guy. You know, he was a law student. Uh, He was obviously freaky smart. I mean, he's just incredibly intelligent. And it's much easier for us to believe that the monsters that are, you know, may or may not be hiding under our beds um, are stupid and inept, and we can avoid them. It's the monsters that we can't outrun. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the difference there, and I, I, I absolutely on Bundy, because I've done research myself on Bundy, Yeah, I tried to, and I, when I created Doug, um, uh, Pimp Timpkin, which is my psychopath, I tried to walk outside the box a little bit. So instead of giving uh, the reader a reason why he had become the monster that he did, I actually designed him to be a monster from the time he was little all the way up to the time that he yeah. is now. So you know, when, when he was growing up with his family, for instance, he had the family dog, his sister had a dog, he um, <clears throat> manufactured that dog's demise. Uh, it, was, it was accidentally hit by a car when it was being taken for a walk. <laughs> and um, and uh, all these other little things that he would do because he had no he was born for for whatever reason there might be he was born without a conscience he was born without a um, um, a lever that tells you you know that this is probably wrong and you shouldn't do it. Well, before I forget, I can't hear myself. On Monday, I'm the author of Beneath the Marigolds. On the 23rd, I am so excited. Nancy Allen's going to be here with Power of Attorney. She and James Patterson wrote two books, Bell and Jailhouse Lawyer. They're really great. And everybody we know and love on the 30th, Matt Coyle, The Last Redemption. That should be really interesting. And hey, what hey, Fran, way I, just, I, I, Fran, I just want to say that I interviewed Matt for that. Did and, you read uh, that? And there's going to be an interview with him and the big thrill coming up. So really good book. It really was good. And no way to start the new year with Mark Cameron and Chain of Command. That's just some of what's going to happen in January. And at the end of the month, I, we're going to do um, a thing on last lines of a, of a novel. Okay, so, the tra- which traits would you think would describe your character the most? If you had to describe Claire or Karen Dale or any of your characters, which, which, which traits would you say? Would they be borderline? Would they, which, which of those traits would they would describe them? Or basically, would you say basically they don't have that much of a dark side? No fun not to have well, a dark side. I, well, I, you know, every character is different and different in different situations, yeah. right? Because there yeah. are times when Karen Vale can be diligent and dutiful, but there are times when she's excitable and colorful and bold, right? 
and sometimes How even mischievous. Right? So uh, it, it depends on the situation. The thing I try to do with my characters, particularly in the, the OPSIC Team Black series and the, the Karen Vale series, is is to make them behave like real people would believe, behave. Mm-hmm. Because we can relate, as a reader, we can relate to people that we can understand that we are like as individuals. So there are, there are going to be times when somebody's going to wor- uh, you know, act out, be out of character, but then they're going to bring themselves back to who they are and you know, maybe more reserved, except when something ice them or something you know hits that button and they have to they have to react and they have to do what they're going to do to whatever catch the bad guy uh defend themselves uh so on and so forth so i i think everybody has a range of personality traits even the person who is reserved and quiet are times when he or she is not going to be that way that's the person that you have to really be afraid of if they're too quiet and too too calm. From your character, what do you put, are you going to bring that character back in the next one? Because oh, she's definitely. really good. Oh, definitely. The when, second when, book is coming out this this coming up year. Um, it's called the Dark Creatures of the Grand Game. Thank you for the plug, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know because I had I said uh, that character really got me and I liked him and he actually got in trouble and that was really good. That whole book was yeah, good. Yeah, so um, what, what are you going to do to is, him? Doug is, I can can describe Doug in one word very, very, very easily, sick. Doug is very sick in the head. Um, He's never been diagnosed because he knows, at least a small part of his brain still knows that he is very sick in the head, which is why he's never gone to see a psychiatrist or tried to get himself straightened out because he's sick. Um, yeah, he, um, um, to use the word of one of the other writers today, which was graceful to use, yeah, he devolves into something a little bit more nasty and horrible than he actually is now, and things just go downhill from there. <laughs> that's what that's what's really fun, because I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to figure out what to write next, and my characters aren't evil enough. I mean, they're dead, so they, you know, they can't if you look much into, trouble. Fran, if you look into into what I did, for instance, um, look into Bundy and you know, some of those other serial killers. There's yeah, a lot of great um, documentaries out there for them. Um, you'll find out um, that the sickness. Uh, the, was, I can't remember who said this. What author said this? But it's not the monsters yeah. under the bed you should be afraid of. It's the monsters in your head. Yeah, that is true. And sometimes you get so angry at somebody, you just want to get even. And you know you can't really well, get even it, in the way you want to, but it's, I could do it in a book, right? <laughs> definitely. Well, but yeah. I think the master of the person who wrote the characters that, you know, you just you didn't know what to expect from them, but God, they were just some of them were just pure evil. Was Poe? Oh, I definitely. mean, I, I still go back yeah. and listen to uh, listen to his books uh, on audio, or I'll read them mm-hmm. again. You know, and I remember reading them as a as a kid in sixth grade, and probably somebody should have pulled that book out of my hand and told me I can't read it. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> you think about the murders in the Rue Morgue, and, and you think about a cask of Amontillado. I mean, that's pure evil, but he wasn't writing it with the type of gotcha oh, I love stuff that, Allen Poe. you know, that people do now, in, in, especially in Hollywood. I mean, he, he did the slow build, and he did the, okay, where is this character going next? And then when you find it, you can't stop reading. You've got to know what happens next, and that's what you strive with. That's what I strive with, with especially this character I've created, Johnny Till. 
he's a very idealistic and very young mm-hmm. homicide detective. But, you know, life is going to happen to him. He goes from being a hit-and-run investigator and dealing with death, and especially death of children and, and, uh, and uh, pedestrian wrecks and things like that, to um, dealing with evil up close. And, you know, there's a, there's a saying among homicide detectives, we hunt the evil you pretend doesn't exist. So it's well, going I, to I change can tell it. you now that, that I read Edgar Allan Poe as my sixth graders because I had a top class and I got away with it. I actually got, we read To Kill a Mockingbird, too, that I almost got in trouble for, but we didn't really care. But they, they loved Edgar Allan Poe, and they loved Rod yep. Serling, and they loved the, the, the dark side of characters, and they actually wrote yeah. their own version of the dark side of something. So, yeah. Another one, you know to, another great another great author that's, it's, he's kind of hard to read, but another great author is H.P. Lovecraft. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. If you're dealing Definitely. with horror, he does a great job with that. Well, let, let me just jump in with another contemporary one because uh, I've been a fan of this from the 70s. Uh, as many other people have, is Stephen King. I don't know that anybody oh, yeah. writes evil and dark better than Stephen King, certainly in our time. Uh, and uh, and all kinds of variations. Uh, you know, I just read his most recent one, which is a pure thriller. But you know, there's evil. But there's evil. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and, you know, everything from Caleb's Slash and all the others. Uh, it's an argument, evil, but it's and before we before we have about fifteen minutes, um, yeah, uh, just to let everybody know, Alan uh, Dick is outside. <laughs> so if anybody hears the interference, that's why. I don't outside. think that's me, man. I'm, I'm hearing it. On I don't know too. what it is. All I know is yeah, that I, it, I hear it also. Not, yeah, it's not here. It's not up uh, in the street. And I'm I hearing don't know a lot what it is. Either it's not me. I don't know either. either. My, my yeah. phone is rebelling yeah. again. So so rude of it. Yeah. But, it's, it's, um, like, it's like somebody's moving stuff in the background or something. No, it's not me. There's I heard a fire escape that... go off earlier. <laughs> no, nothing. Yeah. What, what can I say? Maybe it's someplace else. So if you have to create the dark side of the character, how does that add or detract from the plot? Can you recant the storyline and create a mystery and suspense? And would you ever let the bad guy get away? Because that would be so much fun. Oh, definitely. Um, I would definitely yeah. let the bad guy get away if it's if it's if it's helped the plot or moved, or if I wanted to do another book on him or another story. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it's as far as 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 making him. Um, it's 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 more of a of, of a pulling it together sort of thing for me, anyway. <laughs> so I, I have well, a question you know, then. If if you let the away. bad guy get away, how do you deal with the blowback from people who complain that? You didn't yeah. tie up all the loose ends. Mm. Um, I, yeah, see, I would I never complain Doug, about that. I would really want to know. I mean, I yeah, said it I, to an author the other day. I said, aren't you going to bring this person back? It's The character is so good that I can't wait to see what this person does next. And the person actually might write another one. Because yeah, somehow, see, as a reviewer, you know, I could tell you what's good and what's bad at this point. And, yeah, I would love to see some of the evil characters coming back, especially the one in the jailhouse lawyer. Fran, you know, a good example of that is, um, uh, I'm just reading some of it again, Uh, uh, Michael Connelly, the poet, which, you know, in my view, might be the best serial killer book I've ever read. And at the end of the book, and I don't know that I'm Mm. spoiling anything here, uh, the killer does get away. And uh, and then many books later, uh, you know, Connelly's character, Eric Bosch, 
uh, winds up you know, going after him again. And uh, so, yeah, you know, you don't want to do that too much, but it can happen. The other thing that you can do, and I've done this on one or two occasions, is that you can leave it up in the air. You can sort of imply that the killer has died. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's no body, you're not sure, and there's not a question mark. But going along with what said before, whenever you do that, you do get, I mean, you'll get refused, and you'll get people saying, uh, you know, that you, you kind of cheated them because you didn't give them an ending. And uh, so, you know, I, I don't think you want to do that too much, but when it works, it can be a thing. Well, as long as you take the plot and you don't you don't convey that this is the end of the book. If you plan on doing yeah. other books with that particular character, you you just don't bring it to the arc to a complete end. If you if you mm-hmm. let the killer get away and you don't plan on continuing the book and you bring the book arc to a complete end, then yeah, I agree. It would definitely be stealing that from the reader. Well, I just said on January 26th, I'm going to have four people, five. I don't even know. Let's count already. We're going to talk about just that. The last line of a book. Is it does it end the book or does it let you know that the character's not done yet or something's gonna happen? Or how do you create the last line that you want you want the reader wants to know or the reviewer says, Oh god, this is not over yet, this is gonna happen, something awful's gonna happen then those are the books that I love the most, seriously. Really you know, I, I, that brings to mind something. You talk about the last lines. Uh, Stephen King wrote a book with somebody. I'm trying to remember who it was now, but it was a collaboration, and he said that they had very different styles. He said that this author he was writing with mm. sat down mm. with Stephen King and said, well, I always write the last line of the book first. And he said, my God, that sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that must I, be I hard. That. <laughs> I've done that. I've written really? the last scene and including the last line before I start writing the entire book. Um, but that's part of my outlining phase because mm. I'm an outliner. Uh, that doesn't right. mean that I stick to the outline, uh, <laughs> but the book always ends the way I intend it to. I don't, I don't change the ending because that's my roadmap. Um, but I, I give myself the freedom to change on the fly depending upon what my character says or does or what I learn and research along the way. So, yeah, anyway, but but I always know the ending. That's interesting. Always, you don't find a lot of outliners. You know, people always say, are you a pantser or a plotter, you know, an outliner. And uh, most people don't. Uh, I don't, but, you know, I, obviously there are, there are people that do. What I was going to say about that is I suppose I may have had the last line in, in my mind sometimes, but the last line that I had in mind when I started the book never winds up being the last line because, you know, the book changes as, as, as I'm writing it. I, I would assume that happens for, for a lot of it. Well, we yeah, don't take out your main character. We're not going to kill off your main character. But would you well, ever no, take, no, take, uh, take <laughs> would you ever take a character that is not exactly wonderful or whatever? And somebody did this. I'm going to interview the person in March. I cried when I read the fourth chapter of the book. The person is really good, but out of nowhere, um, one of the evil characters killed off a main character. And would you do that? I mean, the character was totally evil. He was a psychopath, and he was rapist, or whatever the heck he was, and he was going to probably get away with it. And the the, the he lived, the person literally killed off somebody that is needed by the main character. I'm going like, why? Yeah, the, I mean, the, the reader, game of Thrones like model. <laughs> that hurts like many times. So. If somebody is doing that and I didn't see it coming, because I feel like as a writer, it's like you see so many plots. Um, to me, that's great. What book was that, Fran? 
It's, it's a book that's coming out in March, and he's a really great author, and I'm going to ask him, how come you did that to me? The main character <laughs> well, you know, is, is, a, is a lawyer, and she's in court, and her, her future husband is there, and the killer, somehow, somebody, um, this guy killed this guy's this lady, this man's wife, and somehow he got into the courtroom with a gun, and he killed the wrong person. He killed the I mean, main it's like characters. Game of Thrones in the first season. You never yep. saw Stark yeah. dying, and that yeah. kind of changed the whole landscape. I think we're we're more apt now to kind of yeah. assume maybe that that could happen, um, but if, if author is able to pull it off. You know, yeah, I'd, I'd be very I'd be very careful with that too because I mean, if you kill a main character off like that, you want to make sure you haven't made that character so integral that people yeah. throw the book away. <laughs> I I I didn't I didn't throw the book away. I figured out why he did it. I'm not happy though, and I felt bad for the main character. And I said, gee, now what is this person going to do? And after a while, you know, the main character couldn't handle anything. So my mother said, get your butt out and just do it. So before we and we have a few minutes. What's next for everybody? And when am I getting it? I have a pile inside that's staring at me, and it's going to stare at me for a while, I guess. But um, yeah, what's what's next, everybody? Um, well, my next book, as I said, is called Dark Creatures, a Grand, the Grand Game. It follows a simple game. It's book two in the series. Um, I plan on writing quite a few other series books along that line. It should be out this in 2022. Well, just yeah, let me know a, so I can stick you in my schedule. This is getting really filled. This is Alan Jacobson. Alan, I think you know, uh, Fran, that I, The Lost Girl came out uh, a couple months ago. The hardcover is actually finally making its way. We had some COVID-related delays, but uh, mm, it's really coming out book. shipping later. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's the first in the Mickey Keller Fixer uh, series. And I'm working oh, on uh, book five of the Object Team Black series, and I just started writing it. Uh, it took me a very long time to outline it. But, you know, with my outlines, I start writing uh, chapters and scenes inside the outline. So it's hard to say I haven't written, started writing it yet when I've written bits and pieces and chapters here and there along the way, including, yes, the ending. Um, but, I, but I'm starting on Ernest from page one now. Uh, and what's Belsky coming here, out for you, Lance? When am I getting the next one of yours? Well, we are working on a uh, new Johnny Till novel. It's very close to being done. Don't have a release date yet, but uh, he's going to be getting into all sorts of more uh, epic uh, adventures in the life of a real, real-life detective, uh, kind of telling the story and, and a much-needed story today of how our law enforcement officers are actually heroes and not villains. So, uh, Wes, do you know a lot that, about or... about the law too? Different, you know, different oh, law degree also. Um. That's going to be very helpful. Yeah, I'm an attorney. In, in another sense, I can't say why. And Lee, when am I getting your next book that you keep advertising um, that I haven't yeah, gotten yet? Well, it's my it's my pivot series. So my the YA series that I have, the third book, um, I'm it'll be coming out probably like. I love that. Um, but that one has a little more of like a thriller, a little more of a thriller aspect to it than the other two. Um, and then my Desire Card series is being rebooted with another publisher because my old one stunk. So, um, all the books will be coming out um, sometime next year, 2023. So who did I leave out? Dick, what's coming out for you? 
so uh, I have, uh, as you know, friend, because I was on your show yesterday, I have a new book out written under my pen name of Dana Perry called uh, Silent Island. Uh, about a detective, Abby Pierce, who uh, is on the Martha's Vineyard Police Force. Uh, that just came out, Silent Island. And I, uh, I just turned in the next Claire Carlson book, which will be out in 2022. It'll be the fifth Claire Carlson. It's called this News to Me. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what she is. Did I leave anybody out? I know it makes everybody kill. Okay. And where can we find out of it, everybody? Because I have to tell you, Dick, my UPS guy told me that when if he wants me to deliver the next book, he better have yours. I'm serious. (laughs) This is what, yeah, as a matter of fact, he read, if you want to read a really great book about it with a serial killer, Dennis Palumbo's Panic Attack is outrageous. It's after, he was right. supposed to be there today, but he had a conflict. He was upset because he really wanted to be here. But panic attack yeah. is, is oh god! And my UPS guy read it. He he loves me. I never have to worry about getting his package you know, delivered ever. You know, I know that when we said this, you know that Dennis Palumbo was the screenwriter of one of my all-time favorite movies, your favorite, uh, mm-hmm. uh, my favorite year from back in the I guess the eighties. And I I discovered after I met Dennis that he actually was the screenwriter of that movie. So. Yeah. Movie, yeah. What, what so, movie was that? His favorite year was Peter O'Toole. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, that's uh, a great movie. Yeah, it's just a great movie. Very funny about like a kind of like a like a TV in the fifties uh, based at Thirty Rock and uh, and uh, and yeah, I was I was talking to Dennis about something at a conference and I looked it off and it was like, oh, my God, you wrote this? And it's like, so I I, so I, I want to thank everybody. I can't even think so. Thanks for having I me. Want thank, thank I want to thank I want to thank everyone. Thank you. Fun. It's interesting. Yeah, one of these days I'll get to sit down and write a next another book and maybe take some of your details and re-listen to the show so I learn something. But until then, I've got about 20 books on my chair that are staring at me, and some of them are really good, and two of them I'm not going to read because friend doesn't read self-help. Uh-uh. I don't, don't want to read that stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, forget, forget it. And um, the other thing is that I have to give my, my Microsoft Word a uh, timeout because every time I write a review, for some reason, it's not correcting my mistakes or it makes it disappear. So I've started to write them on my phone. I try. Oh, I might be able <laughs> anyway, to help you with that. A setting gun. That changed. would be really nice, yeah, because yeah. I don't know what's going on. I sit there and I sent a review to this girl yesterday. She had no sense of humor, what can I say? And she said you had some typos. I said, I'm not surprised. I didn't get upset. Oh, my God. No big, no big <laughs> deal. And, yeah, it was. I corrected all of them, read the thing off on my computer, because I don't read on my computer, printed it out and said, no, this is perfect. And when I sent it to the author, there were ten typos. I go, oh, well, it happens. I just fixed them. I mean, what's the right. big deal? I mean, that's not yeah. like I said, oh, <laughs> I couldn't have done it. Yeah. Oh, well, it happens. And then Thanks for the review, by happen. the way. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's really evil. I mean, I, I was typing something the other day, and all of a sudden the book review disappeared. It was a good thing I saved it four times. But now I will get back to helping my niece write her term paper. It's been a pleasure meeting all you other writers, too. I, I really appreciate mm-hmm. talking to you and getting your point of view. Sounds great. Thank you yes. so much. Everybody, it's beautiful outside, and everybody have a great day. And if you have something coming out, just email me so I put you in my schedule because well, I'm, I'm all the way filled all the way until the end of April, but I'll fit you in. Don't worry about it. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye.